It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 820. Internet's uh, Zach Manders joining us on today's show. Welcome, Zach. Thanks, Tommy and Josh. Pleasure to be here. Uh, the official you- <laughs> internet. I uh, I just went there. I mean, you're across a few different things. You're a bit of a slushy. Hey, what you, you um, you've been sipping at a cup, and I haven't been able to see what's on the cup. What have you got there? What is that? Uh, it's a it's a pretzel. It's a dog pret. It's a uh, some type of dog pretzel situation. A hot dog. That is. I don't know. It's and sort it's of a sausage of- dog in pretzel shape. <laughs> that is great. Um, I thought yeah, you were a fan morning, of the we- ABC. I thought it's about, like a little bit like, you know, the remember the famous ABC ads with the three things yeah. or whatever? It's, a, it's beautiful. Where'd you get it, by the I way? I could never do that. Did you guys have, used to watch that and you try to like recreate it? I was, <laughs> yeah. I was never able to do it as a kid. Uh, I got well, this like from New York, but my wife... Sign. Yeah, that's right. My wife got it for as a souvenir from New York. And um, yeah, so it's a nice mug. It's great. I love it. This morning, there was a bit of mug chat on a, a business Zoom call that we had. And um, Josh, you told us that your mum had a thing where she had to drink from white mugs. Otherwise, she would flip her lid. Yeah. Well, I just remember uh, Mother's Day and I got mum a mug and um, there was a little bit of frustration because it wasn't the colour that she drinks out of. I didn't realise that that was, that was a thing. But then we found out... Uh, from Jess, who works with us, she needs to have a certain, like she doesn't have a thick, she can't have a thick mug. It has to be a thin mug. What is your <laughs> mug preference, Zach? Well, I'm going through a bit of a mug dilemma at the moment because we just have a mismatch of mugs mm-hmm. over the last 10 years that we've collected. And I'm wondering, should I start again with a cohesive idea? Because, mm. you know, you'll get like three from a set and then another three from a set and you just collect uh, just a rubbish amount of mugs. <laughs> but now like those kind of like pottery mugs are coming in, you mm-hmm. know, like the ceramic yeah, yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. And I go to people's houses and they have whole collections of them. And I'm like, don't you have like three mugs that you got when you were 18, <laughs> three that you got that your auntie gave you when you moved out of your house? Like, doesn't everyone have that mismatched collection? But I go to people's houses and they have such cool collections. They all have like a, a collective idea and an identity. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it's like a, um infection on an old computer, not an infection, a virus. It just like gets worse and worse. As soon as you've got a rogue mug in your in your layout, it's just another one will come, another one will come. It's an absolute nightmare. I tell you what, I didn't think I had much to say about mugs. Those pottery ones, you can't mm-hmm. put them in the dishwasher, and so yeah. I, I, put, I like they get less use at my house because I'm like I go for the one that can be put that in the sense. dishwasher. That's is how lazy the pottery. I am. Is that the equivalent of our parents' fine china? Remember how you said that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nice, <laughs> the nice plates that you'd never use. Now we just put these these miss, you know, because they don't. A lot of them don't even really look that fancy. Because the whole idea is that they're meant to look rough, isn't it? Mm. But now that's yeah. our equivalent of the fine things that we never pull out because we can't be bothered cleaning. Well, I, them. D- I just remember going to a um, like one of those pottery places, like you know, go for forty five minutes out of the CBD, and you um, and it's all sort of handmade, all that sort of shit. But the um. The fucking, uh, like we brought it home and we realised it's all like, it was made in China anyway. And so like they've created this whole, the whole vibe and um, you're getting the sense of like, I think that, you know, put a bit of clay around and you get a sort of a few people with aprons with a bunch of clay and it fucking, it got me. I could have just got it from eBay. I bought Um, a nice teapot from Japan in a back alley. It was like in this marketplace. I got back to Australia and I saw it in a Westfield. So. <laughs> Turns out the marketplace was Alibaba. <laughs> That's so annoying. Uh, I'll tell you what else was made in China. Uh, the virus. No, no, gonna, no, no, no I'm not going to do go. a Trump no, and say COVID-19. Um, TikTok. And Zach, you, you're uh, you're pretty big on TikTok, mate. You go hard there. I really enjoy uh, uh, your uh, your little tickies. TikToks, I'm, I'm oh, so out of the loop, aren't I? Thank you, man. I, I have been making a few TikToks lately. It's it's been fun. I like TikTok. It's it's you know when social media platforms are young and they're fun and they're still in their original form, so they haven't been diluted are you about yet. The audience? Or are you talking about actual TikTok? <laughs> <laughs> well, I you know I. I haven't, you know, everyone says TikTok's for teenagers or whatever. I don't see any teenagers. I think the algorithm kind of like filters it towards what you like. Yeah. And so, what are you, so, what what are you, are you seeing? seeing? If it's, yeah. <laughs> People my 
my age. <laughs> okay, that's good. Or at least they look my age. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're wearing school uniform, but they look... I mean, the, the, <laughs> thing, the, the other thing is, Zach, like kids look like they're 30 now. Like they're not... They don't dress yeah. like how we used to dress. Like what was your style growing up as a kid? Uh, it was back when, you know, like Billabong and Rip <laughs> Curl. You know, you'd get like the huge logo across mm. your... Um, across your shirt i remember like when i first went into high school i made the decision that i was only going to wear stuff from city beach did you guys have city beach <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah down yeah. in melbourne yeah city beach yeah. was very cool like that's like the surf shop yeah, it's very cool yeah and what is that, uh, it was, was that around then were they selling piping hot oh, man, sorry I'm, well piping hot it was is piping hot a big old. w brand how old are you well, Zach? i'm 30 i'm 30 you're I feel 30. like you look. You look fourteen. <laughs> you it's a TikTok. You look effect. like you're from TikTok. <laughs> it's the den. It's the denim. The den- I mean, the, it looks great on you. It really makes your eyes yeah. pop. The yeah. yeah. Thanks, Fuck, man. I'm only thirty two, and if you're saying that I'm off with my references, I, <laughs> you age a lot. Well, I'll tell you what happens. Though, this is what I think. What happens with these uh, surf brands is, I think in piping hot was the top tier for a while, and then they sell them to like. Uh, big distributors and then once they start showing up in like big w and target that's when they start slipping around because i remember when world industries when we were when i was in year eight and the skater world industries was like the coolest brand in the world and then all of a sudden it started showing up in target and it's like what yeah world industry i I was so confused i'm like is this cool anymore i don't know what to do i have spoken about world industries multiple times do you remember this brand tj i feel like it's the the yellow it's it's, a, it it's the yellow guy. Is that the is that the one, Zach? It's yeah, the, there it's, was a there was it was a fire emblem and there was yeah, a water oh, emblem. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little devil with a mm-hmm. pitchfork. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It was a DFO. They had stickers stickers on skateboards. I mean, mm. what what's your what's your um, thoughts on knockoffs and people wearing knockoff branded clothes, Zach? Ah, oh, well. I'd be more concerned about where the knockoff's being made. That's probably my big issue with it. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. The, the, takes uh, it political. We, I mean, takes the, it. When we, <laughs> were, uh, when we were kids, so what we'd do is like we'd buy – I never actually executed this plan, but I, I always had plans to because they would sell the world industry patches that you mm-hmm. could sew onto mm-hmm. things. <laughs> and my friends and I always had a plan to like we'd buy Target denim shorts Mm -hmm. but then would put like a name brand patch on it (laughs) but none of us could sew so it never really came to fruition (laughs) i mean my mum always said that it was um they're all out of the same factory anyway Um, i've been making these i've been making these tiktoks about the aldi knockoffs because Mm -hmm. uh you know the cereals they're all based around the kellogg's names Mm -hmm. and so they have um my favorite is instead of satana brand they have branded flakes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of people on TikTok say they coming they're coming from the same factory. I don't think that's true. And mm-hmm. that's probably going to be something I'm going to investigate this week. I want to find out if they are making them in the same factory cuz I just I can't believe that that's true. Yeah. Well, you would have to then like either use the the scraps so it tastes like the bottom of the barrel style. Otherwise, you'd think that the the people would be onto it like mm-hmm. this. I mean, maybe it is. Mm. Maybe it's that sort of um, manipulation by the the branding. You like just because it you paid a bit more, it tastes better. It's there definitely could be. I'm ready for the full expose from Zach on your <laughs> on your TikTok. Please keep yeah, it under man, a minute. Keep, it, keep an eye out. <laughs> I mean, nostalgia. I um I got some. Uh, it was called sparkle. It's sparkling water. Are you a sparkling water guy, Zach? No, hate it. Too fancy. <laughs> and I get it. I used to be that too <laughs> when I was um, uh, your age. Actually, you're yeah. older than I'm. I'm not thirty yet. But um, <laughs> there's there's never been a clearer division between uh, Melbourne and Brisbane, has there? <laughs> the fact that you guys are drinking sparkling water and I'm up here drinking tap water like a bogan. Well, technically, we sh- it, it's it's a hot it's a hot day beverage. Like I like sparkling water when it's really hot. And I think it's, I actually think it's a post coffee thing. I think that because we're drinking so much coffee, you can get a bit of dry mouth, a bit dry mouth. And so the, the sparkling water, yeah, the bubbles (laughs) seem, even though they're probably not helping with hydration, it feels like it tingles your tongue and it makes you feel a bit better. Can you relate to this? (laughs) No, it tastes like watered down. uh, It tastes like a byproduct. Of soft drink, it tastes like something that they get out of the vat 
at the mm-hmm. end after they've made coke. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just is there's something off about it. So are you a soft yeah, drink guy? Uh, sure. Don't we all drink soft drinks? Um, I'm, I like the uh, Bundaberg soft drinks. You know, the brewed ones? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, I hate, that's a Queensland I passionately, thing. I passionately, and I'm a, I'm a proud Queenslander, but I passionately hate diet soft drinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, why bother? And, and they're all moving to having like artificial sweeteners now. Hate well, it. This is, this is the if you're going to have soft drink, put sugar in it. I know. I get that. I get that. I am a big no sugar guy, mainly for like don't want diabetes, but I realize that I probably will get cancer from having it anyway. Yeah. But the um, uh, so th- there was a special on it, I must have been Woolies, and my girlfriend Brie brought home. We had um, this Mount Franklin sparkling water, which is like raspberry uh, flavored, and it's all natural. It's got like two ingredients it's um, a carbonated water and natural and flavor. Cancer. And cancer. No, no, no. Natural, <laughs> natural water. I don't think this is the cancer one. You're not going to get cancer from this. And so then you put it on your label. Uh, then she also brought home a, um, uh, a pack of cans that were Cotty's brand. Um, were you a cordial drinker when you were a kid? Uh, no, my family didn't really drink too much cordial what we did have was the um golden circle factory near our house when we were growing up and that was where you'd go and you could get a pallet of like cans of different uh golden circle uh beverages Mm -hmm. and i remember there was like peach iced tea soft drink like years Mm. before lipton made it and it was the greatest thing in the world but they mustn't have sold any because at the factory there was just pallets and pallets of it we'd buy it in bulk and i'd have that in the fridge for the next you know year year and a half is this the one that you would actually tj i don't know if this is just a melbourne thing but you'd have like there was the milkman who did his thing that was obviously before our time mm-hmm. but then the closest thing to that was the soft drink subscriptions where you would get the soft drink in glass bottles and you'd put the glass bottles out and they'd yeah. replace them I mean, I don't know why you threw to the 32-year-old. I'm not 75 <laughs> that can talk, talk about the olden days, bro. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, yeah I, think I, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. Was, but it, was, that the golden, was that the same brand as the, what you're talking about, Zach? I don't know. TJ will look at that. I up. don't know. I'll, tell, I'll, yeah, I'll, look I'll tell you a weird one about the uh, deliveries. I was talking to a friend recently. You know how, like, the garbage man comes around and collects your, your bin, mm-hmm. but before they had the arm, a guy would be on the back and they would jump off? And, yep. and they would pull the bin over to the uh, truck. When we were kids, and I grew up thinking this was really normal, the garbage man used to throw us lollies. <laughs> and so when we were like six years old, we'd run out at six in the morning and we'd wait on the footpath and the garbage man who was on the back of the truck would throw us lollies. And we just thought that was like a, we'd run back upstairs with our lolly. We had to put it besides our cereal and then we'd eat our cereal and we're allowed to have the lolly afterwards. And I was telling someone recently and they're like, no, that didn't happen that's at my house. That's, that's, that's really strange. <laughs> well, that there didn't was happen the, to you guys? Well, the, there was the well, um, Christmas time, the fireies. Yeah. Like they go out with the um, mm. Santa on the back and they're throwing out lollies. And it was only three years ago that Bree and I came back from our overseas trip and were living at my parents' place. And I did catch myself early in the morning without shoes on running out to get my um to get my lollies <laughs> hip and shouldering a three-year-old <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. to uh Broke specking, a, <laughs> specking a dad it still happens it's more in the suburbs uh my mm. we go up to my my wife's mum's house for christmas and um and yeah where they live there's a there's a there's a santa on a fire truck and it is great these are all traditions and it's interesting like what we're talking about is either quirks from our parents mm-hmm. or like guidance based on their needs. I mean, think about or the stuff that from we're the talking Garbo. about. Quirks from the Garbo. This is everything. Like these are all things that people like as individuals. How do you, my question is, how the fuck do you end up at the point of under, like not liking something? Like what what's mean? that answer? You know, like why don't, don't, like why, why don't you like the taste of something? Sure. Why don't you like soft drink? Mm-hmm. Why does one really feel strongly about soft drink and someone doesn't care at all these are the life questions we tackle here zach well i mean we should start off by like what is something zach that you don't eat and not an allergy thing but just something that you hate and can you connect it to a story well i'm a vegetarian okay yes that's that's, that's, that's Ah, a a big one i didn't know that 
because I know uh, Josh. You you've tried vegetarian? Uh, yeah, I did, yeah, I, yeah. I, I uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, how long was it for? It was probably five weeks. <laughs> I did yeah, the um, burger that broke the camel's back was in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did I did a bunch of time, but I the problem was that I was still eating junk. So it was like it was the junk yep. end of the the vegetarian stuff. So it was a lot of the faux meat products that were um, sort of big, uh, not like soy necessarily, but it was yeah a lot of uh, a lot of peanut butter and shit like that. So I wasn't wasn't feeling great. When did you go vego, and why? Uh, about four years ago, mm-hmm. and it was you know um, I guess animal welfare, climate, and um, health. Mm-hmm. That makes I mean, sense. Three, when one. you say climate, you mean climate change, not just because in Brizzy you feel a bit like if you eat, eat meat, you feel a, feel a bit because <laughs> it's hot. The meat sweats. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I hear it's good for the environment. I, mm-hmm. I trust Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio's documentary. I mean, your pre-game changes, which is a um, uh, I haven't which even is a seen game changes. That's a that's a massive flex. I, I appreciate that. And so, and what so, else are, aren't you eating? Um, I don't really not eat anything out of taste. I don't think. What are the you know? Because mm. once you, it's it's hard once you've cut out meat. You can't really be too picky after that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, once yeah, you sure. knock out a really big part of it. I mm. mean, if I was had a if I had big issues with broccoli, I, I'd really be running out of things pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tomato. Do you think it makes you less fussy? Or because being a fussy vegan yeah, definitely. is pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. Yeah, you just have to eat what's presented to you. Love tomato. See, I even I went to In and Out when I was in LA as a vegetarian. Josh, I didn't mm-hmm. mind. You know, I don't mind the uh, lettuce tomato cheese. What do they call it? They call it like a a, a cheese a cheesy or something like that. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. I mean, it I just thought it was fine. Have, it, it, it just didn't. The the problem I had with it was it was removing something without adding anything else. So I, I just yeah, feel but like, see, yeah. here's the thing: it's it's all in your head, man. That's, we're just being conditioned to think that the burgers need to be like that. The flavor is the sauce. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on. And so, as long as you got the sauce mm-hmm. on there, it, mm-hmm. why can't you have lettuce and tomato and cheese on a sandwich? Why do we have to put other things on? That's it's, a fine sandwich. Yeah, 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 it is. It is fine. I mean, are you a sandwich it's, guy? Because I like, I find that if you gave me a a sandwich in the traditional sense, like I haven't used bread that you would buy at a shop. You know, like you sort of yep. your standard, not Wonder White, but even like any bread that's pre-sliced. I haven't taken mm. that and turned that into a sandwich in probably the, fifteen years. The things I can do. We recently went to a cheese tasty place. My wife and I. We travelled halfway across Brisbane for this on a freezing cold day. It was mm. a really bad decision. And after we ate it, I was like, I can do better than that. That was that was so disappointing. Yeah. And so things I can like that's now I won't buy toasties out because I can do it better at home. And mm-hmm. once you start doing, once you start getting to a level where you can do things better at home, it, it, it's a real coming of age, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's mm. because. I feel like I'm seeing how the sausage is made now and I'm like looking down the back of these toasty places and I'm like, oh, all you guys are doing, uh, you just have the <laughs> same toaster that I have, but yeah. you're charging me $15 for it. And so, yeah, I, am a, I love toasties, make a toasty all the time, uh, cheese and tomato, basil, mm-hmm. bit of oh, herbs yeah. from the backyard. What is, what's a go-to as a vegetarian? You know, people are like, oh, I love this specific steak joint. Do you have a thing that you're... Sort of a lot of them are sent around meat. So do you have one that's a vegetarian, 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 vegetarian? I believe they pronounce it. Do you mean takeaway? Come on, that's low blow. At the moment, at the moment, it's probably takeaway. But a a go to place. I really well. There's a place up in Brisbane called Veggie Me in West End. We go there a fair bit, but. That's mainly because of like our serving size. You'll get like four meals for the price of one. So that's, oh, that's like uh, pretty efficient. Uh, but I like the Beyond Burger at Grilled. That's the uh-huh. best meat substitute in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. I get that pretty regularly. And the um, so lockdown at the moment in Victoria is pretty full on. Like we can't leave the mm. house basically unless you're going out and exercising or if you're an essential worker. I've been out once in the past couple of weeks. What's the what's the deal in Queensland? Are you are you wearing masks or anything like that? No man, no masks. Um, but maybe one in ten people will wear a mask in public. Mm-hmm. We I don't I haven't bought any masks yet. 
um, considering whether I'll need to. I don't know. We've just, I think it's been a week since we've had a, a case. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're pretty open. We can go anywhere in Queensland. We can, uh, you can go outside. It's, it's, yeah, we're mm-hmm. pretty okay. But it's sad it's, to see everything happening down there. And we're thinking of you guys. Oh, thank you. We're, we're okay. I mean, I watched this. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. No, but it, what's funny is though, I, I watched a, he'd be a right leaning guy, just like the state of, uh, you know, what's going on in Victoria. And he just went into this thing. I'm like, bro, bro I'm here. And it's not that bad. Like he was talking like we're in World War Three yeah. in Melbourne and it's like this draconian I mean, these are all the words that they're using in the media, draconian mm. state. Mm-hmm. And it's like the 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 when you're here and the sun is shining, you're looking outside, it's like, fuck, it's a nice day. And the you know, when you mm. label it as the the eight PM curfew, bro, I heard a guy doing a burnout after eight PM last night. He's a lunatic. He's <laughs> edgy. But it's like it's it is interesting. It is serious. And I the mask thing, I was thinking I, I hadn't worn a mask. I was exactly the same feeling as you, Zach. And then you're just told to, and then it's like, ah, now we're here. Mm-hmm. It's a Yeah, it's I've got no stuff. problems with it. I don't have any problems. Yeah. It's just a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in Japan last year, and people just wear masks, and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, no one even blinks at it. I don't – like, there's no – like, we should normalize it normally. There's been mm-hmm. anecdotally, like, talking to my friends, I haven't been sick this winter, a lot of my friends haven't been sick and a lot of people are saying that's because of the social distancing, you know, the same precautions that we're using for COVID-19 is also going to prevent other uh, mm. viruses. Why don't, you know, why don't we wear masks all the time? Yeah, I don't, yeah. what's mm. the issue with it? Yeah, like yeah. less of us are going to get sick. That's a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's just getting used to it, isn't it? Like I, even though I have no issue with it, it's still at the annoying stage where it's like, if it's not, I, I, I well, tell I me about out, it. Yeah, go on. Are they, are they, it, it, see, I'm talking from someone who's never worn one. <laughs> so, like, is yeah. it, is it annoying? I can't yeah, so really that's figure what out I how thought. it's annoying. So this is the thing. First so when, yeah. So when I, when I, when that was all announced, I was very much like, who gives a fuck? Like, it doesn't matter. And I still believe that yeah. like people complaining about having to wear it, uh, are being ridiculous. I think for the most part, the, the thing, though, is that there is an uncomfortable nature to it because it's like if you go out, like the benefits of going out and walking outside, for me, right. I realise how much of it is about mm. the fresh air bit. And so, the like if I'm walking along, like the um, uh, on Sunday when I went for a walk, I like just lifted my mask down for a second and went and like took it in a breath and then like and it felt yeah, fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah. And so, I think that part yeah. of it is you don't realise until these things change and I think this is like a great gratitude practice in general. It's like you don't realise how good things are until they get taken away. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny one on gratitude. Do you guys, are you guys getting the promoted, uh, the promoted, well, you wouldn't Josh because you're not yeah. on Instagram, but Tommy, mm-hmm. you might, the promoted ads in your Instagram stories for all these like mindfulness apps. I got yeah. one the other day. I got one the other day for gratitude and there's like a guy with a really nice voice and he's like, there's, I wasn't having a great day. I was feeling a bit low and there's a guy and he goes like, there's three, there's three billion people in the world that would instantly trade with your spot right now with the idea of like giving yourself some perspective. But Mm -hmm. I kind of then just started feeling guilty that, (laughs) you know, I have this great life and I'm not happy with it. I'm like, it did the total opposite for me. I'm like, great. Now I feel bad that I don't feel good. Uh, I feel like your um, your YouTube videos. There's a level of uh, politics in it, which with when you had your radio show collective now, and I feel like there's probably less room for that being on the hit network or being sort of a you know top forty sort of tunes have you always been a guy that's into politics or is that something that's just come around given the situation we're in uh i don't know i grew up watching the chaser maybe that's a part of it i don't really like politics that much i just like um anything where it's very serious Mm -hmm. it's fun to you make fun of it do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and so and also they're just funny because they're always contradicting themselves and, and they have certain uh, rules that they have to upkeep and you can kind of catch them out on it. And um, so that's really the – I have the same general interest as everyone in politics, mm-hmm. I think. I don't think I have an increased interest, but it's just it's – just, uh, it's, it's 
uh, to me, it's a fun area to to play in, and maybe not for everyone. Yeah, well, I think what you could say about politics is that it affects everyone in some way, shape, or form. And so, I mean, for people of, of our age, like I've never thought or talked about politics more in the last two years and than I than I have in my lifetime. And it's never I don't affected know if it's, you more. It's affecting me more, but I can't tell. Is it age? Is it the time we're in? Or um, I don't know a third one. So, Zach, make that one up for me. <laughs> uh, He's got nothing. I can't think of one. No, 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 I think no, like sorry, the- what do you think it is? Do you think it's the timing? Like, why are you interested in sort yeah, of delivering stuff? Oh, well... We we used, we so on on our radio show for a lot of years we did this segment called Out of Context News where we would take uh, politicians and the and we would uh, change the throw so it was a news uh, it was like a new it was as if it was a news bulletin and we'd see like uh, Donald Trump today was upset that uh, KFC ran out of chicken and then mm-hmm. we'd have a grab of him being like uh, I'm I'm gonna stop him I'm <laughs> gonna shut him down you know we'd get the TikTok <laughs> grab. And yeah, he'd be like, I'm going to shut him down. It's not good enough. It's un-American or whatever. And so we did that. That was our take on things. And so it was like taking uh, the the joke was kind of like serious people making comments about uh, non-serious things. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was always our take. And I remember when we started our radio show, uh, uh, Tony Abbott was the one we were always using as like the punchline because he always said, not only did he say funny things, but it was he had a funny cadence. He would say them in a funny way. And that made it that you could change the context of what he was saying really easily. <laughs> and then he he got voted out or whatever, just as we started our show full time. And we thought, oh, well, now it's going to be a lot harder to get grabs. And honestly, it was like a week later, Donald Trump got voted in. And we were like, oh, my goodness, this guy's like Tony Abbott times a thousand. The, um, the news cycle, are you... Um are you consuming news in a, in a big way? Do you sort of control the amount of news you're reading? Uh, not really. I, you know, Facebook, Instagram, I'm just the same as usual. I watch all the late night shows in America. I watch Colbert and Seth Meyers every day. And so that's probably where I'm getting most of my mm. American news from. And then I just follow, you know, the normal people in Australia. I think ABC and SBS mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, if you're watching the the, sh- the American shows, are you across the drama with Ellen and then the potential of um, James Corden being the takeover of Ellen's position? Well, yeah. I mean, I see that coming up in my feed. From what I can see, they're posting the same story over and over <laughs> every couple of days. So I'm like, has anything changed here? I yeah. think that's the, no one has said anything yeah. new. I think news.com.au yeah. have had an Ellen DeGeneres story on their homepage for probably the last three months. But, yeah, it's actually yeah. it's non-news. It's just like the same shit. It's just like people well, still don't like Ellen DeGeneres. They're obviously getting clicks on it, and I think, you know, that's yeah. maybe a downside of where our media cycles are at the moment is like it's driven by what gets results, not what is necessarily i'm not saying mm. no comment on that particular but just generally what is newsworthy and so like you you know this is how all you know radio works like this as well just whatever's successful they're going to keep doing it mm-hmm. and yeah. it's, it's so yeah. they're not they're not filtering it around filters of like what do we need to know or what's the most newsworthy thing today it's like what's going to get the most clicks uh-huh. i mean you, and you were did- on yeah go on tj I was just going to say, as a creator, how do you balance the approach of doing something for clicks versus doing something because you like the content? What's your approach? Um, I don't know, really, because, uh, because, yeah, I guess you've got to balance both. You have to be interested enough in them to want to make it. But then if you ultimately, if no one's watching it after a while, it's not going to be self-sufficient. That's the reality is like you have to have an audience or else you're not going to be able to achieve your goals. If Mm. if you want to make a living from it, if you don't, then that's okay. And so I think Mm. it's just balancing, um, trying to find your interest in an area that lots of people are going to be interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've you spent a lot of time and effort into the radio show, but also 
uh, YouTube and online, like I think that you guys have done it better than anyone that I've seen in Australia across all the different platforms. Um, Thank you. Like making the transition or realizing, hang on, this, you know, putting in all the, the work that you did from a radio context, 2020, everything that's happening being at mm. home, creating other things, not having the radio show, has it given you a different perspective on the journey you're on? Yeah, definitely. I The importance of having an audience has been rammed home to me mm-hmm. and I think that's going to become more and more. I mean, the radio industry and generally broadcast media is not in a good spot and I think it's going to continue to go that way and you need if you have an audience you're you have some insurance because you're always going to have a certain number of people that you can talk to and that you can share your message with and probably over the last five years the the perspective shift I've had in the last six months is I thought we were making videos Mm-hmm. And so I was really determined and like focused on that content. I didn't realize what we were really making was an audience. And that probably would have, if I go back five years, that probably would have changed my perspective on some of the things we made. Whereas like I was thinking about them as if like, you know, uh, we were like always so careful that we w- would use uh, music that didn't have any copyright infringements on it and stuff like that. Cause I was thinking, you know, it would be a disaster if it was taken down. Mm-hmm. How, and while other people around us, everyone was just using music that they were pulling off YouTube and whatever. Uh, thinking about it now, I'm like, well, if it had got taken down three days later, but you had gained 500 followers, it had actually achieved, uh, is something better than it being up five years later Mm -hmm. and you know 10 people are watching it every month that's not really achieving much Mm -hmm. and so probably over the last few months i've changed my perspective on that and we probably didn't participate in like some trends and stuff like that thinking that like oh we don't do that whereas like if with the idea of gaining an audience it doesn't Mm -hmm. really i i think it has to be within certain parameters you Mm -hmm. want to gain an audience that are going to like what you're doing going forward or else they're not going to be any use to you however we probably could have been a bit more flexible with that i think um and i think we could have we could have lowered some of our filters we had just had ridiculous filters we what we thought we were doing versus what we were actually doing probably wasn't super based in reality what does that mean Oh, well, you, you think of it you think uh, there's a certain you have to be uh, you have to have uh, you have to have a certain level of um delusion Mm-hmm. And you think you're changing the game. Yeah, you yeah. think you're being like you're doing stuff that no one's ever done before. But no, you're not. You're doing mm-hmm. the bland, you know, this first idea everyone comes up with. Yeah. And so I think you just need to relax and have some fun. And if we had pumped stuff out at the beginning, we were pumping stuff out pretty quickly. But if you just had more fun with it and we put it through less restrictions, the amount of ideas we didn't do because we had come up with them independently, but we had remembered that Hamish and Andy had made a similar joke 10 years prior. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just like, who cares? We didn't copy them. We know we didn't copy them. Just do it. In three days, no one's going to know anyway. We were going to put a different perspective on it. I can can relate um, to that a lot. Well, yeah, I mean... Hamish and Andy aren't the first guys to do a test of oh. how far you can get on an empty tank of petrol. It's like, oh, but I well, love seeing Hamish belt. and Andy do it. Yeah, yeah, it's, there you go. And so, <laughs> what about um, there's a guy Jackson O'Doherty. I think he's from. Mm. I think he's from uh, Queensland. He recently had his four million follower Instagram account taken, wiped from Instagram, and and so Why? that. Oh, dude, he's gone really hard. Um, he probably breached some some code, but or it was, I mean, he posts some edgy shit. He's got an OnlyFans now. He was a prank guy, and he's living mm. in LA. And so, but that was his livelihood. And so he's gone real hard around that. You don't own your content. You don't own what you your platforms. Um, what has your experience been coming from radio, where it's obviously a brand within a, a brand, and then your social channels, which are yours? Where's it sit for you? And, and your creative stuff? Oh, well, I think with that instance, and that sucks. I know, Tommy, mm-hmm. you got your Instagram deleted recently, didn't you? I've, yeah, I was thinking yeah, about yeah. that, I mean, that that would be... I'd, 
I wish I had an OnlyFans. I mean, <laughs> would have given a good story behind it. I've just got nothing. I just got it was a fucking mistake on their end. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think just diversify. Uh, you should have a backup platform, shouldn't you? Mm-hmm. Some that aren't owned by Facebook. So yeah. that yeah, that's a good thing about TikTok. It adds some competition that you can have an audience on. Um, in regards to the radio, we were always pretty good because we never we did three years of uh, national late nights, and there was never a conflict of what we wanted to do and what the radio station wanted to do. Like they were happy to let us do what we wanted to do, and those Venn diagrams were like just a circle, basically. Mm-hmm. They, we didn't have to do anything we didn't want to do, and and um, they didn't want us doing anything, and so we got lucky there. I don't know what we would have done if they wanted us you know, to do something that we didn't really do, maybe like a music-based show. Not just because we didn't do it. Um, I guess in that instance, it's just not a good fit. Mm-hmm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Do you, do you think um, uh, that perspective that you've got now around the delusion, do you think the delusion was necessary at the time to get yeah, where you were going? Yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. I did. We when I was uh, a teenager, I wanted to be a stand-up. So in my late teenage years, I did a, a bit of uh, quite a bit of stand-up comedy actually at the time. And uh, you have to have so much delusion mm-hmm. to get on stage. You have to think that you're really funny, and then looking back on the jokes now, I'm like I wasn't funny at mm. all. But if you don't have that delusion, you'll never start. It's. Uh, I heard Malcolm Gladwell talk about it recently, and he was quoting someone else. So this is like a third-hand quote, but it's um, <laughs> the best kind. he was talking about a, a helpful level of delusion, and mm-hmm. he was saying in relationships that you have, there's a helpful level of delusion when they compared how a partner reported the positive attributes and the negative attributes of their partner versus reality, they were skewed. But you have to have that, you know, a helpful level of delusion so that uh, you can get along together, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's a similar thing when you're making content. If you don't think that it's important, then you're never going to make it. But then with a bit of perspective, you realize it was never important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob Lowe, who's a famous actor, he's probably like mid-50s now. He um, was saying recently just about acting and how it's almost a similar delusion. He didn't get told by anybody. So there's no one in his circle early days that said, you're crazy for giving this a crack. And so the fact that he didn't have the external voices saying, dude, uh, did you know that 95% of people in the Actors Guild uh, can't support themselves as actors? And so to think you're going to be a small percentage, Mm. you're crazy. And so there's almost like not having any of that and then delusions almost a point to to be delusional is usually an unconscious thought right and so it's hindsight you see the delusion in how you talk to somebody it's like i can't believe i fucking asked that that's delusional um and so yeah and so how would you how would you find how would you create delusion when it is conscious do you think it's a i'll just give it a crack or forget the thoughts in my mind as a creator I, I think the delusion is I'm good at this, but mm-hmm. eventually you do get good at it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so you're, you kind of, so I think the delusion at the start is people are going to want to hear what I have to say, but then as you get better, people do want to hear what you have to say, or you might yeah. develop your ability to tell your story. You might be, a, you might develop your ability to have a voice. And so I think the delusion gets smaller and smaller as you hone your craft to a point that you get to a level where you're not delusional anymore. You are or the, at least the delusion is less. Maybe your abilities versus how you see yourself are a lot closer. Mm. And so I think the delusion is more at the start. Like I'm quite confident now that I we can do a radio show that's, uh, you know, at least not out of place, you know, mm-hmm. is at least of a quality that is as good as a, a lot of other things that are around. Um, but at the start, man, we made some bad stuff. <laughs> Oh, but yeah. there, there is something in the um, everyone's making it up, and so yeah, even 100%. and so on the writing thing. Like I find it interesting. Like uh, there's a there's a level of delusion in writing. Like I find the process of writing something I've always wanted to do and to le- lean into. There is definitely a delusion that's needed in the writing pro- process because it's saying not only do I have good thoughts but they justify synthesizing them into this onto the page 
the so we don't work in an industry that has any qualification really mm -hmm. and so if you're a teacher you do three years of uni or four years of uni and then you get a piece of paper that says i'm a teacher uh if you're a doctor the same type of thing we adjust it's you say that you do it and you do it yeah you, you, people can you can look at a product and have a critique of it but when you say writing there's no there's no barrier to entry mm. at all you just have to start writing and then the thing that's actually scary is that the critique of the product probably isn't as objective as you think it is mm. and so like all you need to do is convince one person that it's a good idea one person <laughs> and then and they then have to convince their people and so what I've learned from getting into radio and then also our radio show ending is like we benefited significantly from circumstances outside our control to get into radio. And then we were, uh, we were, we faced consequences that were beyond our control. Uh, well, loosely beyond our control mm -hmm. with the show ending, there was exterior circumstances that we had no control over. And so I reflect on that. And I go, well, did we do anything? Did we luck into it and then luck out of it? There is so much to be said about uh, we think that these people who are making decisions are objective, but they're not. But don't you think that that's part of the the system? So, for instance, that's, I think that's the pushback that I have in some of these industries is because it's like it's all about um, – you know, ranking people or create, or the even like within the radio context, the 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 top content directors or the this or the that, and it's all like um, it's to what purpose do you think that those things to, you know None. look yeah. They, they, the, the reason they're making them is because those websites need content. That's the the only reason. They just I'd be wouldn't be surprised if they're just putting names into a hat and pulling them out. They serve <laughs> no purpose whatsoever. They are not rooted in any reality. They are so far from objective. It's not funny. However, they do hold weight. They do they do uh, contribute to how people look at things, and that's the crazy thing. If you mm. if you were able to. Uh, uh, manipulate uh, the way that thing these people are seen or how your brand is seen that's 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 the the big test the difference between someone looking on you positively and someone looking on you negatively and your brand or your or your show is so minute is mm. so minute and it could be based on a whole lot of different things my theory is that a lot of these people who are making decisions have certain feelings they can't they don't know why they have certain feelings about certain talent. And then they look towards those things to justify their decisions. So they look towards data sets about how big their followings are. They look towards how they rank on certain rankings and whatever to justify a decision that's actually already made. And that that, that is based on a feeling that they either like you or don't like you. And that's the same as like market research. Oh, like there's, there's so many flaws in the way that they go about mm. doing that research. I mean, there's not it's much confidence. I think that the interesting thing with what you're saying is because you are, I feel like I'm in a similar position around, we have a real confidence in how we feel that the system is. But unfortunately, uh, people that are on the top of the system, there's not many there's not many incentives for them to call out the system as being completely rubbish and made up. And so then what ends up happening is you have young people who, or people who are new to an industry who look up and they say, oh, this is, this is the ladder or this is the process where the reality is what makes you successful and what makes Collective Now and everything that you've done successful is because that you have gone well beyond an industry or a set of rules and you're creating something that's bigger than that. I, yeah, I mean, is, is that something that has has come to you over the time of being in there? Has there been any pivotal moment where you've realised, hang on, this system's actually full of shit? Um, the pivotal moment probably was that not everyone is working towards the goal of making a good product. And so... 
you know, in the big short when Steve Carell's character is sitting on top of the roof at the end. And so the whole movie, he's been trying to give people a heads up that the stock market's going to crash. And then he realizes at the end, he's sitting on top of this roof and he's having a coffee and he has this light bulb moment where he goes, oh, they know, but they don't care because they're going to benefit <laughs> from it. I was working under the illusion that uh, everyone in these companies, and it's just, it's just a fact of, of just how companies work. It's like, so they they purposely do things, for example, on social media that are counterintuitive to their goals. But it's because that person who's making that decision isn't going to be there in two years' time. They're going to be in a different social media job in six months. And so they have a goal that they need to meet in the immediate next three weeks or the next month they have a KPI. Mm-hmm. So they're going to use shortcuts to achieve that. And that's counterintuitive to the long-term goals of that brand or that show or that company. And... And so that was a big light bulb moment for me. I was like very frustrated with um, how things worked. And then I thought, oh, it's, it's because we're, we don't all have the same goal here because that individual, um, their incentive is to artificially inflate numbers mm-hmm. so that they can meet their KPIs for the month because they're not going to be mm-hmm. here in two years. They're not going to be here in five years. So they don't care if they're screwing over. They're not truth over. seekers. They're, they're, and I guess, and but also they've created a new truth. They're, like a lot of them believe their own bullshit because it's like oh, they yeah. know what they know. And That's so is why that you guys- game? Is that playing the game at that point? If Because yeah. I'm not well, up for was, playing that one, that, that no, game that you well, were mentioning. Well, because it's going to like, it's just such a short term game. It's, it's not going to help you in the long run. And that's why you guys have been, I think the, the most clever thing you guys have done is the 10 year commitment mm-hmm. is because you're slowly building something over a long period of time. You're not going to take shortcuts that are going to screw you over in the long term. Like remember mm-hmm. when everyone was building their social media pages four years ago and we were, well, not we but there was a lot of people uh just ripping memes that other people had made and there was no curation towards the type of audience you're trying to build they now have these massive pages that mean nothing they can't get 10 likes on their original content they have half a million likes on the page they won't get 10 likes on a video it means nothing and so they've all screwed themselves over yeah it's so true Mm. Yeah, I mean, TJ, I feel like I'm doing do a lot. Feel, I could just keep going. How do you <laughs> feel of, like the encouragement within? What what does that do to you when you have these realizations about the way it's been? As a creator, it can sting because you're putting your blood, sweat, and creative tears into it. Where where do you land? Uh, I think it's important to have things that you control. And so whether it's personal accounts or in our case, we had, uh, you know, I've got a personal TikTok now, but before that I wasn't really making any content under my own name, but, you know, we had collective now known different things. And so therefore you have an avenue despite other people's decisions and, um, and they can be, you know, it can be mutually beneficial and ours was really mutually beneficial with the radio session we worked for helped our social media we helped their social media and so there are ways that it can work well together it was just why realizing that just helped me um in my own head i just you know it wasn't sending myself crazy i couldn't figure out why people were making decisions that were going to screw themselves over Mm. and then it you know that realization helped me just come to peace with that i was like oh it just come once you understand it you're like oh i understand what people are trying to do and that's that's what I would do also if I was in that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so mm-hmm. then alignment and having a team, you have these strong feelings and they're constantly evolving. How do you keep aligned within a team? Uh, yeah, that's really hard. I remember we spoke to uh, Tony Martin a few years ago and he said most groups dissolve or most comedy teams dissolve because there's a disagreement over – uh, the uh, the distribute uh, uh, distribution of labor basically mm-hmm. how much everyone's contributing and so I think you just have to make sure you all have the same goals I don't know how often you guys check in how often do you check in on the ten years are you always like are we still good for ten years I think like the the thing is we use it as like a, a filter system and so if we ca- I think that we are all accountable to if we were to do something by having it nice and clear it's like show filters. Mm. We're, we're saying, oh, is this is this thing is – so, for instance, for me, it's like the social media stuff. If we're playing a short-term game, if we're like, okay, we want to fucking 
uh, have some sort of Joe Rogan purchase, which is like delusion and where a lot of people fall flat with podcasting. They think that they're going to be able to sell their podcast for millions of dollars. <laughs> um, uh, if, if that was the game we're playing, then you would say, okay, Josh, you need to be on social media and we need you posting mm. six times to your uh, personal Instagram every single week. Uh, the 10-year rule is so, or, you know, the 10-year 10, 10 goal is so ingrained in everything that we do that it takes the the pressure out of some of this stuff. And mm. what would happen if something changed? And do you guys talk about that? Like, um, let's say hypothetically, I don't know, Tommy, I'm just mm-hmm. going to use you as an example here because you have a child now. Let's say you have two more children mm-hmm. and you go, look, guys, I'm, I, you guys could be raking in a million dollars a year. I got no idea how much money you're making. But let's just say hypothetically, you're like, mm-hmm. I need to make more money. Um, I can't dedicate as much time to building something from the ground up. Do you have like a... A, a policy about how you're going to bring that up and stuff. I'm just interested. Well, I think the the reality of someone who would turn it around and say that has probably missed the point, or they're on some journey they haven't realised what they're signing up for. And so the the ten year thing is an understanding. It's it ingrains in you. So I wouldn't turn around and say that because I wouldn't be in this part of it now if that was going to be the case. It's a joint responsibility. I I think that that's the other thing too. So it's like we, um, the filter that we're all using is the betterment of the thing that we're building. The great thing about the daily talk show specifically is it doesn't doesn't actually day to day, it doesn't require a huge amount of labor. What we're talking about is an hour and a half a day of our time. And so that 10-year part is the non-negotiable that showing up and, and doing that. And that's, that's not a crazy amount of time. The bigger question around big media company and where we take that, that is something that transforms every single week, depending on what's happening. And so it, it mm. goes from being a client services business where we're charging clients to make content for them to uh, focusing more on a network style uh, arrangement where we're bringing in other shows and so uh, yeah i think i think that it's tommy and i are very aligned in regards to what that needs um and the daily talk show is probably is the daily talk show is the reason why the business exists i don't think our business would exist if we didn't have the the show and do you guys deal with uh conflict well do you guys have much conflict in the group I think like the the, the start team. in the team, I think that like yeah. Tommy and I had conflict, you know, weekly when we were getting started. Mm-hmm. I think like the first probably 150, 200 episodes, um, there is zero, there's, there's not many much expectation around the first 200. But I'd yeah. say, um, you know, I, I went away for four months traveling. We did the show every single weekday during that time. And coming back to going from having our separate businesses to yeah. having a joint venture, all of a sudden everything was up for conversation, yeah. debate, and we put in the time, we lent into it, which is like voice the concern now, have the yeah. conversation now. Let's rather than – and so I think that where Tommy and I have landed, when you have something like COVID and you have stage four, the learning for us now is – um, distributing the the knowledge, the awareness, the uh, understanding that we have as a partnership and being able to distribute that across the rest of the business. So that's where we spend our time is it's like Tommy and I are very aligned and now it's making sure that we're communicating that to the rest of the team. Mm. That's good. Pulling in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. And what about um, you and Dom? Are you, um, do, you, do you chat through direction, vision? Yeah, uh, well, probably early on, you know, similar to you guys, probably we, we, when we first got the national radio show, I think that was, uh, we didn't recalibrate because mm-hmm. that was a goal for a long time. And so you got and- Michael as well. So there's sort of the, th- the three, but there's the two that are mainly like you and Dom are on air. Is, was that like a, a decision that had to be made as well in the early days? Well, Michael was very, it was very obvious that he was technically minded. Mm-hmm. So he was never in front of the camera or in front of Mike. So there was no debate over that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was all 
that was all good. I think um, we the the uh, we the radio and the video content and the relationship to each other was where there was some conflict and where we had to decide what that relationship was and who was responsible for it. Um, because it was always, I always really liked the video stuff more. Mm -hmm. Uh, we both liked radio, but Dom was probably less video focused and that probably still is the, um, the, the breakdown. Any conflict came from unmet expectations. And so, we just had to recalibrate what the expectations were yeah. and make sure that we all agreed on them. And so if you're working a delusion, like you're talking about, so it's already hard when you're working in delusion, then you have a delusion with a team. So you were talking about the, the obsession around the, the format or the, the you know, the, the, the nitty gritty, which I can very much relate to. It's like, for me, it's like search engine optimization and long tail yeah. and how we're going to do all of this sort of stuff, right? Like it's it's very, very similar. Um, so then when you're working in with delusions, how do you align delusion? So Dom potentially putting too much emphasis on radio, you putting too much emphasis, emphasis on video, probably somewhere in between. Yeah, it's just making sure that everyone's satisfied with the agreement. I think it's important to have and to constantly update what the working agreement is, how much people are contributing to different things. And um, um, right now we're with that. Um, there were probably times in the last three and a half years where we weren't happy with how that breakdown had happened. And so it's about having honest conversations and I, – I, you're going to have conflict working mm -hmm. in creative teams together. It's, it, teams who say that they don't fight, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I would question the content you're making then mm -hmm. because yeah. you're not really pushing it too hard. So it's about how you can resolve that conflict quickly and effectively and in a way that everyone's happy with. And I think we've got much better at that. We've also got older. You know, mm -hmm. that helps. You get more experience. It, radio is like it's hard because it's a very we were alone there was no one else in the building so mm. there's three of us it's one in the morning uh night after night and we we were like you know in our 20s it's yeah. you it's it's a learning curve and, and so then to, uh, there's something that happens it seems like with a lot of these teams i think um uh the thinker girls was sort of in a similar predicament where it's like you sort of there comes to a natural uh, ending of something. And mm. then, so for instance, for them, it, it was their radio show. And then uh, I know that they spent a, a bunch of time developing other things. And th there's this hard decision where it's, you've put in all of this effort, there's all of this investment that's happened. And mm. now there's a crossroad. But for, for many, the crossroad isn't determined based on the internal decision of the team and it's an external force around if a TV network picks this up, if this mm. does this, if this, if, if these people pick us, we will then continue as a team. I just, mm. I wonder, I think Tommy, Tommy and I, where we've landed with the daily talk show, I think that a pivotal moment is we can't, we can't make sure and he's going to have to go Sorry, very shortly. That's voting. Um, the, uh, we've never had to make a decision that's based on that ex external factor where it's like if we don't get these people picking us, we're fucked because we're mm. picking ourselves. How, how do you reconcile that side of things? Uh, you got to have time and that's, you know, it's, 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 it's really hard for them to go to go show to show to show if you want to stay in the same team mm -hmm. and if you, uh, but if you are happy for there to be some time in between, I think it's, It'll be a bit easier, more achievable. And so uh, it's an expectation thing again. So if you have the uh, the end, when it looked like that, we we're going to wrap up the show last year, um, I had the expectation that we wouldn't do a show together for a while and then we would pick it up again once we found someone interested. Um, whereas I think uh, Dom's idea was that we would, continue straight away afterwards which i would i would have loved to but i just didn't know how realistic that was and so the realism like a bit being realistic if you're um delusional why why choose to be realistic then oh, or, is, I got or, a is your or is your delusion <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no that's so that's real and so that's the, that's what happens right like i guess that's to to your point of what you're talking about which is like 
uh, the system, whether it's, you know, buying a, a place or having kids or whatever it is, yeah. those things force us uh, to have what would be perceived as reality based on the system. I think the delusion is more around the content, not around the career decisions. And so, okay. the, the, particularly when you're trying to be funny or you think of yourself as being funny, that's where the delusion is. That's probably what I'm referring to mm-hmm. is like the idea that this is funny because a lot of the times, even very successful comedians, mm-hmm. your hit rate is nowhere near 100%. And yeah. so, you constantly have to be... I have some level of delusion that this is going to be funny or I'm, I have the confidence to try this out. Whereas around the decisions you make for your careers, it's a lot more dangerous to be delusional around that at this stage in my life anyway, yeah, yeah. because... Is it not uh, based it, on delusion though? Like if you are a content person and you're playing in that space and you're making decisions based on where, what you're doing with content, does it not? is there not a little bit of overlap that's happening? So what you can do after a while, and this is where the delusion and reality come closer and closer together, is that you have a body of data or, or you have years of experience that you can compare things to. Mm-hmm. And so you can go, well, you know, this was a situation we were in then and we, we were able to get out of it there. And so you have things to compare it to, like hard evidence of things that have happened in the past or mm-hmm. hard data, like we made this type of content and it went well. Um, whereas you don't have any of that at the start. And so you have you have no hard th- things that you're comparing to. Whereas as you go along, and so uh, I, I'm a lot more confident comparing myself and my abilities to the marketplace now. And I have... I have new confidence uh, and I hope that that's, that that's based in more of a reality than delusion these days that I would be able to, you know, do another radio show, for example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Or you could, I guess the, the other element is the longer you sit in the delusion, the more truths that you find within the delusion. So you're just, you're cementing the initial, like it, it's a it's a version of the cherry picking in that like what you what we're talking about with the the systems and the industries you get better and better at at finding solutions that paint the narrative or the delusion that works so it feels less and less of a delusion but you're actually yeah. further along in that does that make sense well- I think what the delusion proves as well is the uh, is the illusion of talent and how important talent is. You know, Jerry Seinfeld talks about the fact that a lot of comedians who are making a lot of money aren't the funniest people. It's just yeah. they work the hardest and they stick at it the most. And so we there's a delusion that talent is really important. Talent's obviously a factor, mm-hmm. but there's significant other factors and so therefore if you if you the delusion of talent is if you think i'm talented i have to push on and that's why i'm successful in the end you're going to be successful maybe but maybe the reality was that you weren't successful because of your talent you were successful because you kept at it Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. the delusion yeah. is is a is a is misplacing uh, the factors of why you succeeded. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. yeah. I TJ, it. how do you? Yeah. What do you? What do you think? No. I yeah. I agree. I think it's but th- then it's always hindsight that you could look back and make a decision and realize that it was delusion or not. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like Jerry Seinfeld saying the. What what do you think on Jerry Seinfeld saying that and where he is as a comedian? There's no doubt he's great, but is he? Yeah, he's best? someone is who it? works super hard on it. Yeah. Um, it, well, it's like it, we have this idea that if you're a successful comedian, you're the funniest. But there's a lot of you know you could be a really good business person mm-hmm. and just know how to write jokes. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a certain level of ability. But if you watch enough is stand up, you know, they're not all great. Like there's a lot of people making a good living who aren't that good. The same thing Mm. in any industry probably. And the same thing in like, look at us. We've, we last three years. We made a living and we're not the best radio show, but we were willing to commit to it and work hard at it. And, and we have a certain level of ability, a certain level of talent. So is that not is, is, um, is talent then about, the doing versus like focusing on the actual thing. Um, like, is it, yeah, I wonder if the, if, if, if the talent is actually in line with the, um, how do you put this? 
so part of part of the talent is actually like the the doing bit rather than what the yeah. content is. Yeah. 100%. And so like remember in high school where you'd have you'd have people and I did this myself but you'd go oh. Uh, I got a C in that test and I didn't even try. Yeah. But you'd, you'd, you wouldn't try because you're afraid of failing, right? And so people would, you know, you'd, you hear this said about people, they're like, oh, they're really smart, but they didn't try in school. Mm, yeah. And, and you go, well, were they really that smart then? Because <laughs> yeah. wouldn't, if you were smart, yeah. wouldn't you try? Yeah. And so, yeah. but what they're saying is they, they have a natural intelligence, mm-hmm. but isn't a yeah. part of intelligence applying yourself? And so it's, I think it's just how we define those things. So you're saying, Josh, that, you know, maybe being really, maybe I'm a great singer and people think that's for talent. But are you saying that when we say talent, we should also incorporate uh, the ability? Stage. Yeah, getting on stage, the ability to sell yourself, the ability to market yourself, the ability mm-hmm. to keep that at night after night when it's really hard to do. Is that what you're saying? We need to broaden the definition of talent. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that the, the, ta- the, yeah, the talent comes from, if you are a talented writer but you're not writing are you is that like talent is Mm -hmm. there's an element of runs on the board or there's um actually talent i feel like only comes to fruition when it's being done and so Mm -hmm. unless you are doing it unless you are and so that's what like the closest thing to become talented is the process of doing We something I'd say all the time is like as when you work in teams, and I'm sure you guys do it yourself, is you look at your peers around you and you critique their their. And whenever there was a negative, whenever there was negative thoughts about people making videos or a radio show around us, so that wasn't very good. I always used to think, well, something's better than nothing. What did we do on that? Yeah, yeah, we didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, yeah. And so, like instantly, because they made something, it was better than what we did. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's uh, there's something really to be said about just making something and putting it out there and continuously doing it. And to go back to the delusion, the delusion is, you know, when it gets 10 likes, somehow motivating yourself to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. I love it. Zach, so much, mate, Zach. thank you for coming on the show, buddy. It's been great talking uh, to you. Pleasure, guys. I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, would love to have you back on as well. And uh, you're doing your own uh, videos on YouTube as well. If you search Zach Mander on YouTube, you'll you'll come up there. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm probably not ready to promote that publicly. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, YouTube, there's mate. a high level of delusion there. <laughs> Perfect. You got it. Awesome. It's a daily talk show. See you tomorrow, guys. Have a good one. See you, guys.